This is Get Your Love on Radio here on Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. Thanks for being here. What a glorious show we have in in store for you and your heart, your soul, your mind. Great comfort. Great, great comfort is coming, is coming by the hand of God Almighty. And we have that for you today. Thanks again for joining us. My name is Julie Bueller. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. And so it's exciting that we are streaming live right now around the globe at radioremnant.org. Now, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, our streaming services, then I'm going to encourage you to make sure to create a new tab in your browser and go to radioremnant.org so you don't miss any of our messages. Sometimes if if we're featuring a, a minister and it's a recorded message, we're not streaming it live on Facebook or YouTube. So it is important for you to get that fullness of the word. So create that new tab in your browser. Just get it ready. You can keep watching on Facebook. We've got an incredible um, in-studio message here too, but just to be ready, stream live at radioremnant.org. Of course, the podcast is also always available on demand wherever you find your favorite podcast. And you can go to getyourloveon.org, the show website for further teachings, Bible studies, and show archives. Incredible show for you today. The Lord gave me a dream that highlights basically two things. Number one, the importance of unity in the spirit. And number two, the importance of fearlessness. And we're going to discuss all that today. And as I mentioned, we have two incredible featured ministers that will add to our knowledge in incredible ways and give us the strength, courage, and knowledge to stand for righteousness, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of who's trying to bully us into silence, God won't have it. He's given us the knowledge to be able to stand in righteousness. So here's here's the dream that the Lord gave me. Um, I was in, in an enclosed camp, and it seemed to be in an open prairie, but at the end of that prairie was a thick jungle. And those of us in the camp looked up and saw a very odd sight. It was this uh, half of a plane spinning out in the sky and come obviously coming down. There weren't any wings and it didn't seem there were any passengers in this plane. It was just kind of a random thing that no one would have expected. Uh, but it did crash and it created an explosion and that explosion caused that jungle to catch on fire. Now, when that happened, all of those in the camp, we, there wasn't really any concern. We were in what we thought was an enclosed camp and safe. So the explosion didn't cause any concern. But once that fire started, animals started coming out of the jungle, including predators like lions and tigers. And the lions seemed to be most curious about this camp. They were sniffing around and trying to kind of poke at the fence to see where they could get in. But we were totally encompassed by this fence. But it was the only thing. That fence was the only thing protecting us from those lions. So once the lions started sniffing around, people got scared. And started running and running into each other and and just allowing themselves to get caught up in chaos. And while it seemed like there were a lot of lions, in reflecting about the dream, I probably only saw about five to seven. So they seemed to be a much larger force than they actually were. And the camp seemed to be huge. I'm not sure how many people there were, but it, it was a lot. And I, I didn't really seem to be part of the camp. I, I kind of seemed to be there by myself. So anyway... Somehow the fence was open and it allowed the lions and tigers in the campground. Now, in the dream, I didn't see exactly how it got opened, but there was a part of the fence where two end posts were just kind of 
crammed together. They weren't actually attached in any way. And so once I saw that, it had been pushed open. Oh, okay, that's that's how the predators got in. It wasn't properly united as one. That fence was not properly united as one. So then, yep, the lions get in. And of course, they started attacking people and hunting. And I did in the dream, I saw a tiger eating something. It just looked like a steak. Uh, at this point, I, I didn't feel any fear. I was not I didn't feel fear. I was just trying to get out of the chaos. So I found a place and I took cover. It was behind kind of a curtain. And uh, again, no fear at this point. So initially thinking about this dream, I thought, gosh, Jules, why'd you decide to hide? And then the Lord showed me I wasn't hiding because I didn't have any fear. So you wouldn't hide if you're not afraid of anything. But taking cover from chaos is important too. So never let the Never let Satan shame you into inserting yourself into chaos. If the Lord shows you to take cover, take cover. That's not fear. There's a big difference. So I ducked behind a curtain sitting on the ground, and I all of a sudden saw some paws, some lion paws walking by. And in the dream, I thought, if I don't move, the lion won't know I'm here. And then I heard the lion sniffing. And the paw broke through that curtain and landed right on my hand. And I could literally see in the dream very clearly those massive claws right on top of my skin. And my thought was, okay, how am I going to remain still if they puncture my skin? That'll obviously cause pain. At that thought, I started breathing hard and became more worried that breathing hard and, and that fear began to multiply that... All of a sudden, I I wouldn't be able to be concealed anymore and that this lion would certainly know where I was coming from, where I was. And then I woke up out of the dream. So after considering the dream, the Lord gave me a short sentence. Of course, this was I woke up in the morning and and I just kind of considered the dream. I said, "Okay, Lord, what do you have to show me from this dream? Um, Usually when a dream is very vivid and you can see things like specific fur and claws on a lion's paw, it's really good to take some moments and reflect and ask God, what are you What are you showing me, Lord? What did you give me here? Well, after considering the dream, and of course I woke up with the lion's paw on top of my hand and that feeling of sort of fear multiplying, and I woke up. And the Lord gave me one sentence to tell that lion, a.k.a. that fear. He gave me this sentence. He said, get your dirty paw off me. (laughs) No way can Satan touch us. In fact, the rest of the day, I reminded Satan that he can't touch me. I am God's darling. I am perfectly protected by God Almighty. So Satan can take his fear and his worry and his lies and Get back to the pit of hell because that's where he belongs and that's where all that belongs. And we get to proclaim that through the authority that God's given us through his Holy Spirit. So isn't that awesome? You wake up out of a dream and yeah, your heart's kind of palpitating a little bit. I'm asking the Lord, well, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to have from that? What's the purpose of that dream? And he says, get your dirty paws off me, Satan. Nope. Hard pass. Hard pass. And so anytime you feel any sort of discouragement, uh, fear, or or uh, afflicted by the lies you're hearing, just reject it. Just say, you know what, Satan, get your dirty paws off me. Get back to hell. That's where you belong. Go back to the pit of hell where you belong. A couple of other things that the Lord showed me in this dream. 
Number one is that the people in the camp were actually scared before there was even a problem. They began running in fear at the thought of the lions coming into the camp. Now, had anyone, you know, and myself included, said, wait a minute, let's strengthen ourselves. Let's make sure that every point of entry is strengthened. Let's protect ourselves. Had anyone said that, the campers wouldn't have reacted in fear. They would have proactively sought to be strong. And that's what God wants, is us to be unified in his strength, in his might, and his authority, because it is eternal and it is the key to overcoming all of Satan's attempts to break down our defenses and to break down walls. And you're going to hear more about how to ensure we disallow Satan in our lives from our wonderful friend Corey in part two of what we heard last week in his Psalms 37 uh, message. So stay tuned for that. It's really, really good. So rather than reacting in fear, we could have said, okay, how do we strengthen ourselves and know that God always gives us the solution? The number two thing that the Lord showed me is that the, the problem was actually the disunity. The disunity was the actual problem, not the lions, not the explosion, but the, the fact that the fence wasn't actually united was the reason the lions got in the camp. So until the body of Christ is truly united in the Holy Spirit, those lions, those that fear, the lies that Satan tries to perpetuate, they have the opportunity to find an opening and cause chaos. And my beloved friends, we cannot allow this. Let me rephrase that. We needn't allow this because God has given us the tools. He has given us the knowledge. He has given us the perfect understanding to walk in the spirit. And we have an amazing apostle of God who teaches how to walk in the Holy Spirit in great simplicity and great strength. So again, stay tuned for that. Man, it just gives us the perfect setting for our souls because unless we yield to the Holy Spirit, there, there can't be full unity. Each individual soul that says, I'm part of the body of Christ, has the opportunity to yield to the Holy Spirit and then walk in great unity. And we have an awesome Bible study on unity in a little bit that'll help us understand the power in that. So let's let's make sure that we are yielding to the Holy Spirit every day in all ways. And let's unify the body of Christ, and see the incredible strength that results in that wonderful, beautiful unity. Again, it does require the subjection of the natural mind to the Holy Spirit. And Paul's very, very, uh, he teaches on that really well. So we'll, we'll jump into that here in a little bit. Another thing the Lord showed me um, from this dream is that it was the explosion that caught brought the animals out of the jungle. And, you know, this past few, this past year has been explosive for many lives. And so it's bringing out all kinds of evil in people. And we're seeing it now more and more. It's coming to the light. It's coming out of the dark jungle and into the light. And again, that's the solution is unity in the spirit because many um, haven't really been aware that this exists at all. Some of us have known what's lurking in that, you know, sort of jungle. And so 
let's pray for one another. Let's pray that we again get unified in the body of Christ, that we all ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in this hour? What are you? I, I want my natural mind removed, Lord. I know that I, I only have very limited understanding. Give me your understanding, Lord. And through the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish that. So let's pray for one another. Let's pray for perfect boldness to stand for the righteousness of God Almighty. And let's just keep it book simple. Let's read our word, believe God, and prosper in the Holy Spirit. And the last thing that the Lord showed me, and again, I just want to exhort once again from this dream, is that if fear is following you, reject it. That's our privilege through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We get to reject fear. Christ said, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. So when we say, get your filthy paw off me, or however you want to do it according to your own personality, with the words the Lord gives you, with the circumstances you find yourself in, but reject that fear and move forward in the faith of God Almighty. Send that fear, send those lies, send that doubt back to the pit of hell where it belongs. And again, we're going to hear from our friend Corey, who who has an awesome message um, right in line with that, that we get to maintain that great authority and that great strength in God Almighty. All right. Why? Because he gives it to us through the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about this word unity, because uh, it's being flung around that we need to unify. So unify with what is the big question? Well, as Christians, we get to be united with God Almighty through the Holy Spirit. Now, the word unity is mentioned one time in the Old Testament. It's in Psalms 133, verse 1. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And the word dwell means to stay or abide, to live there, to just exist in that state of unity. And the word unity means as one. That's right. So as br- it's good and pleasant for us, brothers and sisters in the Lord, to dwell, to remain in that state of oneness with God Almighty. And then through having his Holy Spirit, yes, it becomes automatic that we dwell in a, in, together in unity as well through the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, this is very interesting, and this is the key to why unity through the Holy Spirit is so important, not only for that protection to seal to seal off any onslaught, but also because of verse 2, it says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. This, this act that Um, is being spoken of was the act that anointed the priests that actually made them holy in the first place. And so being able to abide together in unity is what gives us that holy presentation before God Almighty. Again, being one with God through the Holy Spirit allows us to be holy before God Almighty. It also says in verse 3, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Dwelling together in unity of the Holy Spirit 
is where we find the blessing and life evermore. (laughs) So let's make sure we are all pointing our eyes straight to God and saying, okay, Lord, this, I want to be in perfect unity with the spirit of God. I want to be in perfect unity with the body of Christ. How do we do this? There is a big question. There is a big question. And I'll tell you, um, it's very encouraging to see how many formerly denominal doctrines are being left, put aside for the word of God. Denominal doctrine is useless. (laughs) It's not the whole gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We need the fullness of the gospel. So, We need every Christian, every individual soul that seeks God with all their heart, all their mind, and all their strength to be on the same page. And that page is Jesus Christ of Nazareth is our Lord and Savior. And every word that's in the Bible is for us. So I've been very encouraged to see how many formerly denominal ministers are saying, no, this isn't right. I'm I'm ministering the book cover to cover. I'm ministering the word cover to cover. It's very encouraging. And it's awesome to see that the Lord is opening the eyes of so many. So Lord, keep it up. Keep it up. So let's go to Ephesians 4. Again, we're talking about the unity in the Holy Spirit. And Apostle Paul does a wonderful job teaching on this. It says in verse one, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So like any vocation, this requires intentional work. It requires practice. You know, my background is is in sports broadcasting, and so I studied athletes and coaches for many, 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 many years. And any great athlete knows that if they are going to succeed, they've got to do work and take extra reps when no one else is looking. So as Christians, we get to do the work and take extra reps in our word, seeking God on our knees, asking him, Lord, show me what you're doing. Lord, give me your understanding. We get to do those extra reps when no one else is looking. Like beyond Sundays, (laughs) like every day, we get to do that. So who's willing to do that? Can we all be willing to do this? How about about all of us do this? If you're hearing this right now, how about you just make that commitment? Okay, Lord, yeah, I'm going to walk worthy of that vocation. I'm going to put in that practice. I'm going to get those reps in for sure. Because I know that glorious life of liberty and freedom that is the result of that. The definition of the word endeavor is to exert physical or intellectual strength for the attainment of. So when we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, it means, yeah, we're exerting that physical, that mental strength to attain that unity of the spirit. That tells me that it's certainly attainable and that certainly God wants that for us. All those that say, yep, I'm Christian, to walk in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, every day of their life. And it does require that work. It does require that separating the natural mind from the spiritual mind. And again, we're going to hear more about that from our wonderful, wonderful ministers. So stay tuned. We all need that that instruction and that knowledge um, for each one of our own personalities and, and our own lives. So 
we have some wonderful instruction and knowledge for us. But it does require work because God is very precise. So we get to do things his way and then enjoy that precision in our own life. It is a beautiful uh, efficiency that your life takes on when you walk by the Spirit. And in verse 4 of Ephesians 4, it says, There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Again, God is very precise. There's one way to get your soul connected with the Spirit of God. There's, there's one way through that one faith and that one Lord. And the good news is we have the Word of God available to us. We have incredible teachers. We have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to all give us that knowledge. So what is this one baptism? Because that is key. As it says in Acts 2.38, if we want the Holy Spirit, Apostle Peter outlines exactly how to get it in very precise order. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, Um, as you're going to hear from Brother Bob in a little bit, sometimes people get the Holy Spirit before they're baptized. Sometimes they get it after they're baptized. But that one baptism for the remission of sins is critical to walk in the Spirit all the days of our life. And in Matthew 28, verse 19, Christ says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So again, that great specificity of God, he is very specific, he is very precise, and we get to take on those ways and live in that same incredible strength and and precision. In verse 6, again, we're back in Ephesians 4 now, verse 6. It says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's right. He can be in each one of us. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Well, how large is that measure? It's eternal. Furthermore, in Philippians 2, verse 5 and 6, it's very interesting just to understand this grace that's being given to us and and our responsibility in receiving it. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So why did the Lord give me that strong statement, get your filthy paw off me? Because we are equal through the Holy Spirit. We are one with God. We are equal. Just like it said here, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself, he put himself in this flesh. So we have that same opportunity to walk in that same grand authority and not allow ourselves and the Holy Spirit within us to be diminished in any way, shape, or form, to walk in that full authority every day, every second of every day. It's it's awesome. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this knowledge. Um, it's It's been 
quite the process to get this knowledge out across this land. And so, Lord, my heart just rejoices in all those warriors for you that have dug this out and have been able to give us this knowledge today. It's, a, it's an incredible thing to have. So verse 8 in uh, Ephesians 4, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Don't you love the totality of God? He fills all things. He gives us all understanding. In verse 11, this is, this is key to unity in the spirit. Verse 11, Ephesians 4, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that incredible? The Lord has given us a beautiful vehicle that he sculpted himself to usher in the unity of the faith. That vehicle is called the fivefold ministry. I first heard about it from Brother Bob. We're going to hear him today, a true apostle. And he read this in his word and he goes, well, geez, Lord, let's this must be possible. Let's get it. Let's do the work and let's get it. And so he did. He incredibly, diligently and lovingly pursued that fivefold ministry until the Lord took him home. And now his widow carries it forth today with that same tenacity and purpose to see these scriptures fulfilled, to increase our knowledge of Christ and perfect each of us into exactly who God wants us to be. So you're going to hear him speak about this very thing today. And again, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, I'm going to encourage you to create a new tab in your browser, head on over and just click go to radioremnant.org. I don't want you to miss this. I love the way Brother Bob ministers in simplicity and truth. And we have so many reasons to rejoice uh, because we are receiving the fullness of the gospel of Christ. And here's our wonderful message about how to further do that through true conversion, through receiving the Holy Spirit. Here is our friend, Brother Bob. Today, I'm going to minister to you out of the book of Acts. It concerns the Acts of the Apostles. Now, the book of Acts has no amen after it. And God's people today, commonly known as true Christians, are still performing the Acts of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. God put in the church today certain types of people called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And without an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, according to the word, the church cannot be perfect in the sight of God. So I'm going to give you some of that perfection today. I'm going to start in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. 
Now you see, God is no respecter of persons. Never has been since Christ came and was crucified and risen. There is no preference before God concerning who and what the human race is. Because he said he created man of one blood. All races, creeds, and colors are of one blood. Therefore, since Christ came, whosoever will, let them come and be saved. And this is the proof of this particular scripture today that I'm going to minister to you about. A devout man, and one that feared God, speaking of Cornelius, with all his house which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. In other words, he prayed and sought God. Folks, that's what you need to do today, is to pray and seek God. More so now in this last days than ever before, because Jesus is coming soon. All the signs of their times are upon this earth today and upon the United States. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Now this angel came in unto him and spoke to him and called him by name, Cornelius. I heard an angel speak to me one time, and he said, Bob, Bob. And at the time, I wasn't uh, experienced enough and had knowledge enough of the Lord to answer him like the old apostles did. I should have said, here am I. He'd have probably talked to me quite a bit at that time. But I was frightened, so I just covered up my head and kept quiet. Later years, that same angel spoke to me again, and I answered him. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Folks, your prayers and your giving comes up before God as a memorial. Whether you know it or not, every time you give unto the Lord or pray unto the Lord, it comes up before God as a memorial. So take heart, folks. If you think your prayers aren't doing any good, don't let that defaith you because God does hear and answer prayer. And he answers your giving. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose sure name is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now you see, the angel couldn't preach the gospel to him. Even though it was an angel of the Lord, he was not allowed to preach the gospel to Cornelius. Only a chosen vessel of God on this earth, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, is allowed of God Almighty to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance, or the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. Now God has anything that man needs reserved for him whenever he is ready for him to have it or to receive it. Now that is the word of God. 
So folks, get your faith up to the point where you can understand and believe and receive things like that from God in the natural. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. What God has cleansed today, call not common. Some people believe they can eat certain things. Some people believe they can't. Some people have a religion that forbids them to eat certain kinds of foods and this and that. But whatever you ask God to bless, it is cleansed and blessed indeed. And this was done th thrice or three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surenamed Peter, was lodged there. Now you see the angel told these men through Cornelius where Peter was and his address. See, the angel knew all the time where Peter was. The angel of God knows exactly where you are at all times, whether you know it or not. That's what I'm teaching you today. If you're a Christian, God knows where you're at at all times. He sees you and he knows where exactly where you are and where to find you. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek you. Three men seek you. The Spirit. Now, how did the Spirit speak to him? More than likely through his own mind or through his own mouth. By the Holy Ghost. Because Peter at that time already had the Holy Ghost. He said, Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. See, the angel of the Lord told him, I've sent men to guide you to a man that I want to be saved. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? Why have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that fears God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for you into his house and to hear words of you. In other words, the angel told us to come and get you so you could come and preach the gospel to Cornelius. Isn't that something? God has sent me to many, many people on this earth to preach the gospel to them. I've had the Spirit tell me to go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and preach the gospel to the people that I was sent to. You know how the Spirit spoke to me? In my mind. Mm -hmm. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and he called together his kinsmen and near friends. Now Cornelius called in his kins, kinsmen, his relatives, and his near friends, all of his friends. This man had a love of God and a love for others. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. See, Cornelius thought Peter was worthy to be worshipped 
as a God instead of as a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know what? That is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come in unto another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, Peter wasn't too far along in the Lord yet. He was just a new apostle. He had just been chosen of God to minister the word. And Peter still had the old law in his mind because the New Testament had not yet been uh, written. But God had sent Peter, being a Jew, to the Gentiles. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent you had sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. That's how he explained how the angel looked. He looked as a man in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of the Lord. In other words, your tithe and offering has been held in remembrance in the sight of the Lord. He has seen what you have done. He said, send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose sure name is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he comes shall speak unto you. Now this angel told him where Peter was, the name and the address of the man that he was staying with, and how to find him, and at what time to find him. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded you of God. Now that's faith, isn't it? He said, I know I'm here before God and I'm going to hear your words that are commanded you to say to me of God. Mm -hmm. That's what you people are doing today. You're sitting before an apostle hearing the words that God is commanding me to say unto you today and to increase your faith and to build your faith or to preach faith enough that you may be saved of the God that you're hearing and standing before at this hour. Uh -huh. It's that simple. It's just that simple. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Truly, people, God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't make any difference whether you're Jew or Gentile, black or white, yellow or red. It makes no difference of what race, creed, or color you belong to. God today is no respecter of persons. This gospel and this Holy Ghost that I'm preaching to you at this time is for you if you will receive it. But in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him or with God. Folks, if you're out there accepting God and working righteousness in your life, then you're accepted of God, automatically accepted with God. The word which God sent of the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That 36th verse there in the 10th chapter of Acts is one of the greatest proclamations that has ever been made on earth in almost 2,000 years. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. There is none other name named under heaven and earth by which a man must be saved. So Jesus is Lord of all humans on this earth. 
whether you be for him or against him, he is still your Lord and your Savior. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now, John preached the baptism of repentance. But it said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And God is still with Jesus Christ today and with his people, bringing Christ within your hope of glory in the form of the Holy Ghost. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Now, isn't that some testimony? Peter said, I ate and I drank with him natural food and natural water, or natural fluids, after he rose from the dead. And Peter was there when he was crucified and knew that he had died and had been in the grave three days. Isn't that some testimony? And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Jesus Christ is the judge of both the living and the dead. He is your judge today while you're alive, and he will be your judge after you die. Because it's appointed unto man once to die, after that, the judgment. Folks, every man and woman has to die. Every person on this earth has to die sooner or later. Some of you may live five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. Makes no difference. You're still going to have to die and be judged by Jesus Christ whether you're alive or whether you're dead. Some of you are being judged today by this word. Some of you are judged into eternal life. Some of you will be judged into eternal damnation if you reject the word. That's simply the word of God and a simple fact that exists now and forever. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sin. Folks, you that are believing on him today are receiving remission of sin right now. All sins that you've done are being blotted out by your faith and belief in Jesus Christ right now at this moment. Through my ministry, you can be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and your sins blotted out, even now in this hour. It's that simple. While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word. Some of you have had the Holy Ghost fall on you already, whether you know it or not. Some of you already feel the chill go down your back and your hair or your flesh stand up at the ministry and the speaking of these words. Well, that's the Holy Ghost coming upon you and falling upon you. The Holy Ghost is here now to receive everyone that will call upon his name and repent of their sin. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, there were Jews and Gentiles both there. 
Mm -hmm. And the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them, regardless of race or creed. God has done that ever since. It doesn't make any difference whether you're Jew or Gentile. The Holy Ghost is for you, regardless, if you believe. And they that heard them spake with tongues and magnified God. You see, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you're truly saved, you will speak in a language that you have never heard, given of you by the Spirit of God. That's how you know that you have the Holy Ghost within you, is when you speak in other tongues. And if you say you have the Holy Ghost, and people tell you you have the Holy Ghost, and you don't speak in tongues, you haven't got it yet. Because that's the only way you can tell that you have the Holy Ghost. And you will speak in another language. I speak in another language, and I didn't learn it. God gave it to me. The full vocabulary. Then Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now in this day and age, some people receive the Holy Ghost before they are baptized in water in the name of the Lord, and others receive it after they are baptized in water in the name of the Lord. I received the Holy Spirit after I was baptized in the name of the Lord. But I've seen others receive Holy Ghost and speak in tongues before they were baptized. But whether you receive it before or after you're baptized, you still must be baptized. Buried with him in baptism and rise in like manner as Christ rose from the grave by the power and the Spirit of God the Father. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. See that Cornelius' whole household and all of his friends were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in a moment. Just in a moment by believing the word that I have just spoken. You people can receive the Holy Spirit right now if you believe. Mm -hmm. Some of you probably have because I'm ministering to literally millions of people every week. And I'm getting letters from all over the country and all over the world stating that they have just received the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Then they write to me and say, what shall I do now? So, if any of you want to know what you should do now, write to me. I have study sheets that I will send you concerning the baptism in water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no charge for it. There's no foolishness about it. There won't be any follow-up and there won't be any asking you for money. It's free. The gospel is free. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Isn't that something? Heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Before Jesus came, the Gentiles weren't allowed to hear the word of God. And when Peter had come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. You're, you're going to have a little opposition. I have for 35 years, but not enough to stop me from preaching or, or to do away with me ministering the word of God, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. But see, they didn't know the circumstances. They didn't know that God had sent them to Cornelius and the Gentiles chosen before him to be saved and filled with the Spirit and given eternal life. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, and slay and eat. 
But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, thou call not thou uncommon. What God has blessed today is not common. When you sit down to food, regardless of what it is, if you ask God's blessing on it, it is no longer common. It is blessed of God, and it is fit for your mouth and for your stomach. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men arrayed already come unto the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. The Spirit is bidding you today, folks, nothing doubting, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins. This same Spirit is bidding you today through me. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose sure name is Peter, who shall tell you words whereby thou art and thy household shall be saved. Now an angel appeared unto a Gentile and bid him to send for the apostle Peter. Isn't that something? That angel accounted Cornelius, a Gentile, worthy of eternal life and the knowledge of the Word of God to save his soul and to fill him with the Spirit throughout eternity, to give him a space and a place in glory along with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Stephen saw standing at the Father's right hand. And he said, As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Peter had just received the Holy Ghost a while before, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Today, people, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost or with the Spirit of God. Christ within, your hope of glory. That's what's going to take you out of this world when Jesus returns. When Jesus comes with all the power of the Spirit and in His glory, with the power and the presence of the holy angels, you, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, will go to meet Him to be in the air, ever to be with the Lord. That Holy Ghost is what's going to change your body in the twinkling of an eye, glorify your body, and take you up to meet Jesus in the air, ever to be with the Lord. This is what I'm telling you today. It is a proven fact by millions and millions and millions, and probably even billions of Christians that have come and gone this last 1986 years. And is being witnessed to you today by another Christian that has the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that has been baptized in the name of the Lord, and that is ministering to you today. It is that simple. And he's no respecter of persons. It makes no difference who you are, where you are, or what you are. For as much then as God giveth them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I should withstand God? And they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Folks, God has granted repentance unto life to you that are here today. It is up to you to simply believe, 
receive. Get your King James Version of the Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, James, Jude, Peter, and Paul, and the Acts of the Apostles. And that is enough to save your soul to the uttermost now and forever. I want to thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you is my prayer. Bye for now. And there's our wonderful friend, Brother Bob, and his message out of Acts 10. Just incredible to hear the simplicity of the gospel and how the Lord moves uh, and how that can be surprising sometimes, too, for for those that have been taught uh, one particular way. Apostle Peter had been taught the law. And so when the Lord came and gave him that vision and revelation, boom, he got to break out of those old ways and walk in the newness of life and expand his horizons and expand his tent stakes to the saving of of this household. So what a glorious thing. This is Get Your Love on Radio. Thanks for being here with us today. Uh, More teachings and show archives are available at getyourloveon.org. We have a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google. And just like you heard Brother Bob say, if you want more information, if you want to be able to have a Bible study that will take you through how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all the wonderful promises of God that are ours through His Holy Spirit, go to Get Your Love on.org. There's absolutely no uh, financial obligation. There isn't any follow-up. Like he said, nobody's going to be asking you for money. The Word of God is free, and it's supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to cost you a dime to receive this knowledge of God. Of course, we do pay our tithe, and, and we offer our offerings as the Lord shows us. The tithe belongs to God anyway, but you should never have to pay to receive knowledge or teaching of God. So that's that's how Brother Bob started it, and that's how we'll keep it. Again, there's no follow-up. There's no request for money. So go to getyourloveon.org and get fed the true word of God. So let's get back to Ephesians 4. We're talking about unity today through the Holy Spirit. And you heard how God visited Apostle Peter to show him that the Spirit of God is the great unifying power. There was so much segregation in the time of the early apostles between Jews and Gentiles. Great segregation. And boom, God brought them all together just like that. And you heard how even those of the circumcision, the Jews, were rejoicing that this word was going out. So it is awesome. And Apostle Peter learned that. And Apostle Paul, he was sent to the Gentiles as well. And he taught very clearly that the only way to walk in that unity is through the Spirit, is to intentionally reject the natural mind and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. So let's learn about, let's learn more about how and why according to the Word of God. This is again Ephesians 4. We're going to be in verse 14. Apostle Paul laid out, look, we've got the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints till we all come in the unity of faith. Why? This is verse 14. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That is what has happened for so many years. Christians being a ping pong ball between different denominations and and doctrines of men, 
not the word of God. So this is our opportunity to stick our nose in the book, right in the word, keep it book simple so that there that doesn't happen anymore. There is no more ping pong match. We get to walk forward in the great in the grace and the great authority of God Almighty. Because there are those lying in wait to deceive. So how do we know the truth? By the word of God. In verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. As each one of us in the body of Christ seek God on our knees, and like I said earlier, get those extra reps in, in those quiet moments, spend that time before the Lord, then we will come together in great unity and that strengthening of the entire body of Christ. And man, if <laughs> it is so necessary for this nation, the United States of America, which is the world leader uh, for freedom, for good reason. This is a Christian nation established before English settlers ever set foot. The Mayflower, Mayflower Compact, we talked about it last week, established this nation in a covenant with God Almighty to be a Christian nation, to be set forth for the glory of God, for the advancement of the Christian faith. So we get to walk in that covenant of God, knowing that he fulfills his end of the bargain 100% of the time. And that's how the body of Christ becomes strong and this nation will prosper because the hand of God is on it. It says in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So again, in Philippians, we learned that we are to let this mind be in us, the mind of Christ. That is the distinguishing factor here. There's a mind of Christ, and then there are those that walk in the vanity of their natural mind. The word vanity means uselessness. And it is. It's very faulty to walk in a natural mind because you're, it's so limiting and, and it's so uh, easily lied to and dismayed and discouraged. That's the natural mind. The spirit of God is strong, courageous, and unlimited. So that's why the Lord says, look, leave off that. Don't walk as other Gentiles do in the vanity of their own mind. Instead, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We get to ask God for understanding. We get to ask God to fill our hearts and mind with his understanding, with his word, and then apply that in our everyday life and watch how our lives become this incredible bouquet of blessing and prosperity and wisdom for ourselves, for our family, for our community. And then we get to be leaders. Why? Because we rely on the mind of Christ. In verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, this is an awesome, awesome, simple scripture that is I love because it's very um it's it has really good imagery. So you get a good picture in your mind. So it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. 
I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When we become a new man or woman in Christ, and the Holy Spirit doesn't see gender, so that's why it says, when I became a man. That means when we become that new creature in Christ, we get to put away those childish things. We get to put away the vanity of the natural mind and walk in the fullness of the mind of Christ. Now, those who... Uh, walk in the vanity of their own mind, those who are stubborn and they don't want to take on the mind of Christ. They want to just stay in their own ways and uh, sort of stubbornly adhere to whatever it is they think they know. Here's what Apostle Paul had to say about that. Verse 18, this is again Ephesians 4. It says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So again, part of growing up in the Lord, part of putting away those childish things is learning to recognize those that have been alienated from the life of God through their own ignorance, through the blindness of their own heart. And we have some awesome teaching on YouTube about this very subject, because again, if we want to move forward in our life, if we want our life to be the grand adventure of faith that God intended it to be, There's a certain efficiency that comes with walking in the spirit. And there's a certain efficiency that comes when you are able to immediately see, okay, that person is not, uh, that person has been alienated from the life of God. So I'm going to keep them on the outside of my fence. They're going to be on the outside. I'm not going to let them in my heart, not going to let them in my mind. I'm not going to let them affect me. We have a message from our wonderful friend, Corey, that delves further into that, how to prevent Um, those from affecting us because the blindness of their heart is that's up to them. God can give us a new heart. That's what it says in the word. So anyone has an opportunity to walk in the life of God, to remove any ignorance and to have a full heart, not a blind heart. So as we grow in the Lord, it's important to recognize who are those that want to remain ignorant And then just, um, you know, those are the people that are representing the lions in that dream I had. I spoke about in the first part of the show. But we can have the knowledge to be able to see them coming and unify and strengthen ourselves, our families and the body of Christ. So that's what the that's what the word of God gives us. And why why should we do that? That's in verse 19. It says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, which is dirty, dirty behavior, grimy behavior, just sickening, disgusting behavior, lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Wow. So those that have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, give themselves over to just about every bad thing, lasciviousness, uncleanness, and doing so with greed. They give themselves over to that. So again, another reason to remain separate and to learn how to walk in the Holy Spirit and walk forward. Uh, As we do that, it gives anyone that has been sort of buffaloed by lies and deceit, gives them a shot to say, wow, you know, Billy's really prospering. Billy, how, 
what what understanding are you operating under that's giving you this new life and this new understanding? And you can say, well, I walk in the spirit. It helps them if they see that example. So that's another reason that we just leave off those that have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. And in verse 20, it says, but ye have not so learned Christ. We get to learn Christ and focus on that. And it says in verse 21, If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We are getting this today. So let's hold on to everything we hear in the word. And let's hold up everything we hear to the word and accept nothing less. It's a new day. So let's allow it to be a new day. Let's leave off the past and move forward with Christ. It says in verse 22 that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We get that incredible renewal through the mind of Christ. If we let this mind be in us, you see how there's, it starts with our choice. It starts with the choice that we make to let the mind of Christ be in us, to be able to recognize, okay, these are childish ways. I'm putting them off. I'm becoming a man or woman of God. I'm leaving off those childish ways. And then I'm also learning how to watch and see, okay, that person has a lot of ignorance in them. I'm not going to allow them into my fence. We're going to keep that fence unified. We're going to keep ourselves protected. And we're just going to walk forward in the Lord in the, and be renewed in the spirit of the mind. I love this verse. This is Ephesians 4, verse 24. It says, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. By accepting that mind of Christ, by letting the Holy Spirit dwell within us, it gives us that perfect unity, which as we heard from Psalms, gives us the blessings and life evermore. It also allows us to put on that new man to walk in a newness of life and allow righteousness and true holiness to reign in our life. It's a beautiful thing. And again, we needn't listen to anyone that would have us accept anything less than everything God has for us, than all the promises, all the protections, all the wonderful, miraculous gifts that God wants us to have. He wants us to put on this new man, leave off the old, put on the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Man, what a strengthening, what a strengthening verse that is. So, you know, this week just we can remind ourselves of this. Okay, the Lord has given me a new man. I'm righteous and I'm I'm truly holy. So cool. Thank you, Lord. So precious. Thank you, Lord. It says in verse 25, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. (laughs) I love this verse because I have the last, gosh, probably a week and a half, I think I have not watched any news because <laughs> I just need to put away the lying. So I just turn off the television and I read my word. And it's wonderful how much more joy I get, how much more knowledge, true knowledge I have by putting away the lying. 
And then, yeah, speak, speak every man truth to his neighbor. It says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's a beautiful scripture and wonderful instruction. If we want unity in the faith, we get to forgive one another. And don't even let the sun go down on your wrath. So get it out. Work it out. Let the Lord show you what's what's at the heart of the matter. Again, seek God for those answers. And then when you go to bed, lay your head on that pillow and just sleep soundly, knowing that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is your Lord and Savior. And there's no better thing on in the history of mankind than that. This is verse 27. It says, neither give place to the devil. Nope. Don't even give him a place. Get your filthy paw off me, Satan. Nope. Not giving him even a place. I love that. That's how we unify. So again, Ephesians 4, there's there's a few references to the word unity. There's one in the Old Testament, Psalms 133. The rest are all in Ephesians 4. It is the unity chapter of the Bible. So that's why all this instruction is so important. If we want to be unified in the body of Christ, these this instruction is key. It is critical. So neither give place to the devil. Yeah, reject the fear. Reject the lies. Reject him with great authority. I laugh at him because I think he's a pathetic loser who's just stupid and can't come up with anything even reasonable. Like it's so ridiculous what's going on right now. It's so clear to those that have spiritual understanding. So let's help each other get that spiritual understanding because Satan is pathetic. He's a dumb liar and that's all he's got. And we'll hear more about that in just a couple minutes from our wonderful friend, Corey. He has such a good bead on what Satan's trying to do and how to vocally overcome him and overcome him with every step we take, every word we speak, and and every heartbeat in our heart. So we get to overcome Satan. That's a the great gift that Christ has given us is that eternal victory over sin, sickness, and disease. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 28 this is an important one. It says, let him that, that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. <laughs> this is so precious. God has an incredible purpose for each one of us, no matter what the past looks like. It doesn't matter to God. Once we repent and are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, We have that remission of sins. You just heard from Brother Bob how simple it is to be freed from those past sins. And then God allows us to move forward with great purpose. So if you were a thief before, gosh, just start working and then give to those that are needy because that's God's purpose in your life. It's wonderful to know that that freedom is there, that that liberty is there. It says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I think that scripture speaks for itself. So as we are communicating, it's important to communicate in strength, in faith, and and allow the word of God to be that that comes out of our mouth. Because then we, can, we are guaranteed we'll be ministering grace unto the hearers. It says in verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with be put away from you with all malice. I love that the Lord gives that to us, that we get to do that because we know God wins. We get to let all bitterness be put away from us. There's no reason to hold on to any bitterness. Wrath, anger, clamoring, evil speaking. Again, time to turn off the TV, time to put down the cell phone, jump off social media. Let's get in our word. Let's re- let's connect with that and see how much more the Lord shows us, how much more understanding he gives us, how if you have a situation at work and you have a real quandary at work, the Lord will give you the perfect solution. As we seek him, he will give us the perfect solution. So I'm praying that for you. For those that have these significant issues, whether you own a small business and these lockdowns are coming down the pipeline one more time and you're asking the Lord for solutions for your small business, turn off the TV, jump off social media, get in your word. Let's get those solutions from the word of God and and allow him to usher in this new thing he's doing with great prosperity. He will give that to us. As we set aside everything else, God gives us the perfect understanding. It says in verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's Ephesians 4. That is the unity chapter of the Bible. That's how we get to walk in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful that it ends with being kind to one another, tenderhearted, and yes, of course, forgiving one another. We get to pray for one another. All right, if you are watching right now on Facebook or YouTube, please create that extra tab in your browser. I want you to hit radioremnant.org. I don't want you to miss part two of our continuation from last week out of Psalms 37. The Lord's great love and comfort comes through increased knowledge of how Satan works and the eternal victory of Jesus Christ in Nazareth. So we get to understand that, and then we get to walk in it as well. Last week, we started learning about that, and this week, our wonderful friend Corey, who is a brilliant man, and one of those, you know, if you are if you have a problem, he's one of those people you just want to have around, because he's going to find a solution, and he's just awesome in how he explains these beautiful scriptures as well, and then allows the blossoming knowledge of God Almighty to come through. So this is part two of Psalms 37. If you're just tuning in and you missed part one, well, that's in our show archives. I'll reference it for the podcast today as well. But don't forget, turn up your volume, create that new tab in your browser at radioremnant.org. We don't want you to miss out on this from our friend, Corey. This is part two of Psalms 37. The title of today's message is Psalm 37, Part 2. We're continuing on from last week. We're going to continue in verse 21 of Psalm 37. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. So the wicked are takers. They take what they want, whatever they can get. They don't reciprocate. But the righteous, they give. And they're merciful and willing and kind in doing it. Now the wicked, in the word, in the Hebrew, this word means something or someone that's morally wrong. A bad person, especially one that's actively doing bad things, or one who's guilty. 
Now, the Hebrew word for wicked, it has a root that it's derived from, which means to be wrong or to do wrong. Also means to disturb, violate, or make trouble, or to vex. Now, this word vex jumped out at me, so I looked it up, and in my 1913 Webster's, it says this, vex is to make angry or annoyed by little provocations, to irritate, plague, torment, harass, afflict, trouble, tease, or to cause to fret. And as we went through the first part of this psalm, that's, that's one that jumped up quite a bit, was that word fret. But fret not thyself. Well, we'll touch on that in a minute. So who's the wicked one? Well, that's Satan, the devil. Satan is the wicked one who seeks to take anything he can from us, especially those good spiritual things of the Lord. Our love, our joy, our peace, our faith, those beautiful fruits of the Spirit. And Satan tries to take these things from us by wearing away at those things a little at a time. Those continual little provocations over a long period of time, that's what Satan does. Because that's all the power he's allowed to have. Remember the scripture says in the Song of Solomon that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, those little nips, those little digs. That's all Satan, that's all the power Satan's allowed to have. And so that's what he does. And he does, he just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. And if he's allowed to take a little piece at a time, there's a there's a continual erosion there because he doesn't let up. The thing is to not allow him to take even the little pieces, those little nips, those little those little digs. And that's what it means to fret. The dictionary definition of fretting is to rub or to wear away by friction, to gall or to chafe. You know, if you think of two pieces rubbing together, like an eater, 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 that's fretting. That's what uh, fretting wear. That's what they call it in, in engineering terms. And, you know, even that couple of seconds I did, you know how annoying that sound is? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what Satan does. That's all he's capable of doing, is that little... Because he's such a big loser, that's all he can do. But if we allow that, each little squeak to take a little piece, over time, that can wear and wear and wear, and pretty soon it can break things and destroy them. In engineering terms, fretting wear, it does. It causes fatigue failures over time. And so, yeah, a big heavy shaft, it's got that wear over time, that whole, that whole thing can just snap. So how do we prevent this? How do we counter this? Well, we have to stay built up in the spirit. As long as we stay built up in the spirit, keep that strength and not let him take what we have, guess what? He can't take what we have. He can't gouge those little nips out. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep or guard yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
That's Jude 1, verses 20 and 21. So to resist that vexation and provocation of the devil, that requires our souls to have a few things in place. We have to have a sound foundation of faith in God. A person can have faith in anything, but faith in something that's a lie, that's just delusion. So it's faith, we have to have faith in God. In other words, we have to build on the rock, not on the sand. Have that sure foundation. Build up on that most holy faith. We have to have constant communication with God. Again, anybody can pray to anything. It says pray in the Holy Ghost. In other words, we're praying in our tongues, communicating with the Lord, letting our needs be known, and letting the, the will of the Spirit have free course. And, you know, making those commandments and those supplications to God in the Spirit. We also have to have a vigilant watchfulness that we always maintain the love of God in our walk. When it says keep yourselves in the love of God, that means guard yourselves in the love of God. Protect yourselves in the love of God. If the devil can take your love, he takes everything else with it. Because that's the keystone that holds everything else together. God, if Satan can take your love, your love for God, your love for your brother or your sister, your love for the human soul, if he can take that out, everything else crumbles. And he knows it. So that's the first thing he'll attack. Try to get you looking sideways at your brother or sister, or looking sideways at those that preach the word of God, the true word of God. So we keep our love hot for one another. We keep our love hot for the Lord. Guess what? Satan can't take that out. The other thing we have to have in place, we have to have the confidence that we do serve a good and compassionate God. When we're looking for that mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ, we have that confidence and that expectation that he is merciful, he is compassionate, he does love us, and he will give us everything we need and everything we desire according to the Spirit. Like going back to that verse 21 here in Psalm 37, it says, The righteous showeth mercy and giveth. Well, what did God give us? He gave his Son. That gave that sacrifice so that we could obtain that eternal life through him. Now, mercy, that proper meaning of the Hebrew word for mercy actually means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. In other words, someone that's in a lower estate, you bend down to them, you stoop down to them, show them favor, deal graciously with them and have pity on them. That's quite, quite something if you think about it, that the creator of all heaven and earth, full of all knowledge, all power and authority, would bend and stoop to deal graciously with us. As Christians, we do serve a kind and merciful God. We have that confidence that we'll stay in the love of God and we'll stay serving him regardless of what we see playing out. Regardless of what we see happening on the face of the earth, God does have the remedy for every problem. And he does have our best interests at heart. He takes care of us. Verse 22, For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. So there's blessing of God and there's cursing of God. 
Now that's kind of interesting because that previous verse just says that God's merciful. And now it's saying, well, those that are cursed of him will be cut off. Well, I looked up that word cursed in the Hebrew. It means to be light or make light of something. In other words, something does not carry weight, does not have value. That's what it means to be cursed. The God we serve is merciful, but he's also just. Those that make light of him are esteemed likewise by him. Those that think they do not need God, well, God's a gentleman. They, don't, they think they don't need God. He goes, okay, then I withdraw my hand from you. If you don't want my hand in your life, then I withdraw it from you because that's what you want. But when God withdraws his hand from a soul, he also withdraws his blessing from them. He also withdraws his protection, his honor, all those good things that come from the Lord. Those, those get withdrawn with him. In other words, the wicked, they bring their curses upon themselves by their own wickedness. We serve a good and merciful God. He's not waiting to, you know, hurl curses at people and make them miserable and, and make everyone suffer and all that. That's not what he's doing. He wants to bless the human soul and nurture the human soul. But he's also so gracious and so humble that if the human soul says, I don't want you, he says, okay, I'll back off. And then remove that, once that protection's removed, then, then the wicked one comes in and has Adam. That's how it actually works. So the devil will try to say that, you know, God's an evil God and he, he inflicts all this stuff on people. No, they bring it on themselves. And it's the wicked one that comes in and does it. Yeah, read, read Deuteronomy 28 for yourself. It lists the blessings of God for staying in his commandments and obeying him. And it lists the curses that come when you step out from under that covering. You disobey those commandments and do what's displeasing to God. So you think about those commandments is they're there for our protection. It keeps us from allowing an avenue for those, that wicked one to come in and influence us when we obey those commandments. We step outside that, we've opened the door for those wicked things to move in. Again, it's not God, you know, bringing all this stuff on them. They're bringing it on themselves by opening the door to that wicked one that's waiting for it. So the point is here, though, that however any soul esteems the Lord, whether they esteem him lightly or whether they, he carries weight with them, he reciprocates in turn. When we highly esteem the Lord and delight in him, guess what? He also highly esteems us and delights in us. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, or our steps are established by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now that last part of the verse, that can apply in both directions. When our steps are established by the Lord, when we're good in the Lord's eyes, we delight in the Lord's way. And guess what? When we're delighting in the Lord's way, we're doing what's pleasing to him. He also delights in our way and how we're conducting ourselves and charting the court and going through life according to his will. And says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Now, David, who wrote this Psalm 37, David broke almost every commandment there was. He did all kinds of stuff. 
And the Lord did chastise him when he did those wrong things. He didn't, he didn't get out of it without consequences. There were consequences that followed from that. But the Lord never took his mercy away from David. He always kept him. Why? Because David, when he made those sins, he acknowledged when the word came or the Lord came down, he acknowledged what he'd done. He recognized that he had sinned before the Lord. He repented of it and he did what he could to make it right. And he took the consequences that befell him and said, okay, the Lord is just because I have, you know, I have sinned. So this has come upon me or come upon my people because of it. That's why the Lord's mercy never departed because David put himself in the Lord's mercy. He wasn't stubborn and rebellious and tried to keep his own way and keep sinning and doing what he wanted. He, he turned and lined up with the Lord when he realized he dropped the ball. Now the Lord knows what's in our heart. He knows what's at the very core of our being, each of us individually. Even if a soul has things happen to them, even if a soul makes mistakes, when their heart is truly after the Lord, as David's was, they will line up with the Lord. And they will not allow anything to drive a wedge that would separate them from the love of God. The things David did that were greatly displeasing to the Lord, he didn't turn against the Lord. He didn't allow that wedge to come in and completely separate him. He, turned, he would turn, when the Lord rebuked him, he would turn back to him. Paul wrote this, for I am persuaded, absolutely convinced, convicted, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. That's where we're to be in our walk with the Lord. Nothing is going to come between us. The devil will always try to drive a wedge between us and the Lord. And those little, that vexation, those little provocations, that's what he try, tries to do. And though we may experience times that try our patience, as we're anticipating the moving of the Lord's hand, we endure. We do not allow anything to take our peace or lessen the love we have for the Lord because he does take care of us. Verse 25, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And that's a promise of the Lord. Poverty is not of God. That's the lie and oppression of the devil. And it's not for those who put their trust in the Lord and obey his commandments. Now we do have to obey his commandments. We do have to trust the Lord to provide and he will provide. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. When we truly serve the Lord, we're also like the Lord. We not only have all that we need, we have an abundance that overflows to others. And that applies first spiritually. It also applies physically, financially, and emotionally too, as the Lord anoints us. When we're part of the body of Christ, we're, we're those ones that are merciful and lend like the Lord does. And we give out what the Lord's anointed us to give out. Yeah, whatever capacity we have that the Lord's appointed us for. And it also says his seed is blessed. We also have success now 
that we pass on to our successors. That's our seed. Those are those that are coming after us. See, whatever we're experiencing, enduring, and overcoming now, it's not just for ourselves. It's to set an example for those that are following after us, and it's to make a place for them to continue in it. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Now, this verse was actually addressed to those that do evil. It says, depart from evil and do good. The Lord's mercy even extends to those that do evil, if they will depart from it. Yeah, there is a qualifier there. If the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. That's Ezekiel 18, verses 21 and 22. See, the Lord is merciful, and he loves justice. And though it is just when the wicked are punished for their wickedness, it's an even greater justice in the Lord's eyes when the wicked turn from their wickedness to do righteousness instead. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, what the Lord said. In other words, the wicked turn from being sinners to being saints. That's really what the Lord wants. He's not, he doesn't want to punish the wicked. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He actually said that too, that I, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. What he wants is for them to turn from their wickedness. For the Lord loveth judgment or justice and forsaketh not his saints. So even those, those ones out there, when they turn from their wickedness to do righteousness, they go from sinner to saint. And guess what? The Lord doesn't forsake them when they do that. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. So one cannot be a success without successors. Anything that the wicked think they have established in their wickedness, the Lord will bring it to nothing. And whatever the godly, the saints, have established in righteousness, it is preserved. That word preserve in the Hebrew means to hedge about with thorns, to guard or protect. And that's what the Lord does. When we, whatever we establish in righteousness, God will preserve it. He will put that hedge of thorns, that hedge of fire in the spirit around it. And he will protect it and have it continue. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Anything they think they've established for their posterity is not going to amount to anything. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Well, this is another promise of God. But this verse and the previous verse, they do come with a qualifier. And again, it's in Ezekiel 18 again. Verse 24, when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. That sword cuts both ways. That double-edged sword cuts both ways. So in other words, to continue in the Lord's blessings forever, that also requires... For us to continue in the way of righteousness forever. There's no stopping for us. There's no turning back or giving up for us. We continue 
moving forward with the Lord. I know if the Lord showed me this allegory a number of years ago and I share it every once in a while. Our walk with the Lord, it's like going up that down escalator. As long as we keep stepping, keep moving, we will keep moving forward, going up. We, we keep going, don't give up, don't let up, don't try and jump off the escalator, we'll make it to the top. But as soon as we stop stepping, as soon as we give up or turn around, guess what? It carries us all the way back down. We have to continue moving forward with the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 30, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. So when we continue in the way of righteousness, our words carry weight with God. God does not esteem our words lightly when we're, when we're speaking in the Spirit by the Holy Ghost. This means that the instruction we give by the Holy Ghost, that will be a benefit to the human soul. That's our, the mouth, our mouth speaking that wisdom. The proclamations we make by the Holy Ghost, they will be carried out. That's the judgment that we speak by the tongue. Yeah, Jesus said this to us. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's Matthew 18, 18. So we speak by the Holy Ghost. We can bind whatsoever and we can loose whatsoever. But it does have to be done by the Spirit. Verse 31, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. When we continue in the way of righteousness, we will not waver or falter in our walk with the Lord. As long as we stick with him, he will stick with us. He'll keep us on that track as long as we're looking to him and keeping up with him. And guess what? We won't waver. We won't back down. We won't be hesitant. We won't be wishy-washy, oh, which way should I go? We'll be definitive and, de and determined with the Lord. We'll know where we need to stand and we will stand in it. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. We see this going on quite a bit these days, spiritually speaking. The wicked one, Satan, will try to kill our righteous soul by any means possible. That's what the enemy is here to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's after our souls. If he can't get after our souls, if he can't do that, he'll try to kill our righteous influence instead. He wants to kill our soul, but if he can't get that, he'll try to kill our influence. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast, unwavering in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. That's 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. So those afflictions Peter wrote of here, that's that vexation, those continual little provocations that Satan uses to try to drive a wedge between our souls and the love of God. All that stuff we see going on out there, all those words that go out that are not of truth, trying to provoke the righteous soul into turning against the Lord or losing their love, losing their faith, losing their joy. If Satan can disappoint us or dishearten us, guess what? He's taken our joy. If he can get us agitated or anxious, he's taken our peace. If he can sow hatred, he's taken our love. If he can sow doubt, he's taken our faith. That's why we resist steadfast and unwavering. We stand against it 
and we don't let those little nips take even the smallest piece. Unflinching, and like that adamant stone, that forehead of flint, like the Lord gave to Jeremiah. Untouchable, unbreakable. Now, Peter says to be sober and be vigilant. To be sober means to abstain from wine. In other words, don't drink the Kool-Aid. There's a whole flood of ungodly words out there. Don't buy into it. Don't believe it. You're better off not listening to it as little as possible. Don't give heed to it at all. When I check the news, I kind of scan the headlines. Maybe I'll read the odd article. Just keep track of what's going on. But I don't, get in, I don't get into it. I don't get into listening to all their spin, all their indoctrination, all their psychological programming, which is what goes out over the media these days in different ways. I don't give my ear to those things. I don't give my eyes to those things. And I certainly do not give my mouth to those things. I don't repeat it. I don't drink the Kool-Aid. He also says to be vigilant. In other words, we keep awake. In other words, one, we don't get complacent. You know, we see the Lord's hand moving. We see the momentum going in the right direction. We don't just kick back and rest on our laurels. We keep pressing forward. Because that going up that down escalator, you can't kick back and rest. You got to keep stepping, keep moving with the Lord. The other thing is, keeping awake means we don't get weary. We don't let ourselves be worn down to the point where we just lay back and say, okay, do whatever you want, Satan. Because that's, that's his other goal, is to try to, it's that gradual erosion, those little, those little nips a bit at a time. He's trying to wear us down, wear out the saints. Well, like I, like I stated earlier, we keep ourselves built up in the spirit. Guess what? He's not going to be able to wear us down. That rock, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's harder than anything. It's unbreakable. It can't be worn down. It's there, eternal. We are sober and we're vigilant. We don't drink the Kool-Aid and we don't get complacent or weary. Verse 33, the Lord will not leave him in his hand. The Lord will not leave the righteous in the hand of the wicked, nor condemn him when he's judged. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, the saints of God. That name, Satan, it literally means the accuser. That's the devil's title. He's the accuser, the accuser against the righteous. And it's Satan that accuses the righteous of everything that he's doing himself. You hear those ungodly lying words going out, those false accusations. That's what Satan does. He accuses the righteous of doing everything he's doing himself. And he's doing it in the dark behind the scenes where he thinks nobody can see it. Well, guess what? God sees everything. Or, you know, even those constant false accusations. Yeah, how does that feel when they're coming against you? Well, he's like that vexation and that provocation. He's trying to provoke a righteous soul into doing evil by, slan by slandering them. You know, that righteous indignation will rise up when those, those, those slanders come against your soul. But we don't, we don't let it get to the point where it becomes hatred or ungodly wrath. We keep our peace before God. Satan, what Satan's trying to do is get us out of God's hand and into his hands, one way or another. Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, 
and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. It's John 10, verses 27 to 29. When we're the righteous, we're in the Lord's hand. We're not in the hand of the wicked, regardless of what the circumstances look like. Now a soul can fall out of the Lord's hand if they so choose. You know, going back to Ezekiel 18, 24. Now, if we choose to do wickedly, give in to that provocation, allow us, allow ourselves to be moved, we can fall out of the Lord's hand. But if we, if we choose to stay in his hand, keep our place with him, not allow anything to, be, to separate us from the love of God, guess what? Nothing can take us out of the Lord's hand. When he said, when Jesus said that no man can pluck him out of my hand or out of my father's hand, that word man doesn't actually show up in the original Greek in these verses. It actually means no man, no woman, no spirit, no power, no force of nature, no nothing, absolutely nothing can pluck them out of my father's hand or out of my hand. Not just, not just man, anything. You know, we stick to the Lord like glue and we will stay in his hand. Verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. There's another promise of God. So we have to wait on the Lord. In other words, well, in the Hebrew, it means to bind together or gather together with the Lord and in the Lord. That's why the body of Christ gathers together. There's that great strength in the unity of the Spirit when we come together and wait on the Lord together. Again, keep it's like the word preserve we covered earlier, to hedge about with thorns, to protect, preserve, guard his way. We don't let any other influence come in and try and change that course, alter the way we're supposed to go. We protect what the Lord's given us. We preserve the way that he set out for us and not allow it to be altered. And it says, he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. To inherit... In this sense, it means to drive out previous tenants and possess in their place. And this is our right and our responsibility as believing spirit-filled Christians. The thing about rights is they do come with responsibilities. Don't sep- the, the two cannot be separated. We have a right and responsibility to drive the wicked influence out of the land and replace them with the righteous influence of the Holy Ghost. We have that right, we have that power, And it is our responsibility to do that. And this is not done by natural means or our own fleshly ability. We're not out there campaigning for, you know, the church of God in the streets. We're not doing that. We do it by the power of God working through us. Large part of that is that praying in tongues, that communication direct with God the Father in the Spirit. Fasting, waiting on the Lord, or ministering to one another, building each other up increasing one another's faith, uniting in that prayer. There's great power in that unity and gathering together because we build one another up. It is the power of God working through us that accomplishes these things. Disinherit the wicked and inherit the land for the righteous. Verse 35, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Well, that green bay tree, that's flourishing, spontaneous growth. And at at times, it seems that the wicked have been established everywhere. seems like they're just popping up all over the place. And that they've, you know, like that green growth that just overrun everything. 
and that they're, it seems like they're prospering in everything that they do. You know, millionaires, billionaires, you know, high offices in the land. What does God say? The next verse, yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. In the Hebrew, that means he did not even have an existence. Did not even exist anymore. So no matter what the wicked build up for themselves, no matter how high they set themselves up, or how much control they think they have, or how many of them there are, they are but flesh. Going back to that spontaneous flourishing green growth, they're just the grass. They're just flesh, they're just the grass. And God's the lawnmower. Isaiah 40, verse 6. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's what's permanent. That's what's the ultimate power and the ultimate authority, regardless of how it looks on the face of the earth. Jesus said this, Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The word of our God shall stand forever. Those that have sold their souls to build their own kingdoms on this earth, they will find that they've gained nothing and lost everything. Jesus said this, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8, 36. God wins. That's the end result. We just have to go through this passage of time and space in the flesh because it's, it's limited by the space and time in the flesh. But in the spirit, God's in eternity. He's outside of all those limitations. And he's already won. We just have to go through our course and make it to the end. Verse 37, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. A perfect man. We are to be perfect before God. To be perfect is to be complete, to be whole, to have every part present and in full working order. In other words, well, first on, we're fully equipped in the spirit. You know, we've repented of the sin and the old ways. We've been baptized in water under holy hands for the remission of sins. And we've been filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And we're continuing in the fivefold ministry to perfection. So we're fully equipped. We have every part in full working order and present. In other words, our soul is intact. Our soul has not been sold or lost. We haven't given it up. We haven't given up anything else that God has given us. We still have our love. We still have our joy. We still have our peace. We still have our faith and all the, all the rest of it. It's all intact. It's all in full working order. It hasn't been given up. So that's the perfect man or perfect woman. It applies both ways. And to be upright, that's to stand up straight in righteousness. Yeah, to be erect, not bowed down under servitude to the influence and oppression of the devil. We stand up straight as those warriors of God, those soldiers of God. 
Yeah, you know, every military on earth, that's how they train their soldiers to stand at attention, at presentation. Upright, straight, perfect unison, boots polished, everything's in perfect, perfect order, perfect array. Same thing in the spirit. We stand upright. We're not bowing down to the will of the wicked one. He says the end of that man is peace. Now the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, means to be safe. By extension, it also means to be well, to be happy, to be friendly, to have health, prosperity, and rest. That's our end. When we continue in a perfect and upright walk with the Lord, without compromising, without giving up, not only will we finish our walk in peace, we'll have these things for eternity, but we will also establish a place of peace for those that come after us. Because at end, it also means our posterity, our successors. And you know, our old apostle, Brother Bob, that's what he would say many times. You cannot be a success without successors. It's not just about us. It's about those that follow after us. Our children, our grandchildren, those next generations. We're not just fighting for ourselves. We're not just standing for ourselves. We're fighting and standing for those that come after us too. Now, the thing is, they will have to maintain their walk with the Lord for themselves as we have had to do it for ourselves. Because there's others that have gone before us, our brother Bob, our sister Carol. You know, they've, they've established that place of peace in the spirit for us to dwell and maintain and continue on continue on in what they've started. We continue going on. And we do continue on. And when we we leave off, we've established it in that next generation. See, God's got the big picture. Our job is to be right there with him in it. But, verse 38, the transgressors shall be destroyed together. Those that unite together to rebel against the rightful authority of God will be overthrown, will be brought to nothing. And it says they'll be They'll be destroyed together, all at once in unison. When we see that open rebellion against God, when it seems like it's gone everywhere and taken over, guess what? God knows how to bring the big hammer down. So they will be destroyed together all at once. And verse 38 also says this, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. There is no rest to the wicked. We hear that, we hear that saying, and it is a true saying. Isaiah 57, 21. There is no rest. There is no peace to the wicked. And whatever legacy they think they have established, it will ultimately fail and come to nothing. Their posterity, what they think they've left behind, will be cut off. There won't be anything left of it. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of, dr- in the time of trouble. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It is the spirit of the Lord in us that's actively working through us that reveals the plans of the enemy, that overcomes their evil influence, that gives us a strong defense against anything they try to throw at us and brings their wicked devices to nothing. It's the spirit of the Lord in us, working through us, not we ourselves. And again, More promises from the Lord. The Lord shall help them and shall deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Our trust is in the Lord. Our power 
is in the Lord. Victory is of the Lord. When we love him, when we obey him, when we put our hope in him and stay resting in his hand, there is no victory that the enemy has over us. And there's nothing that the enemy can hurt us with. I'll close with a few verses out of Luke 10. Luke 10, 18. And he, Jesus, said unto them, who says unto us today, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Satan has already fallen. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That word all and that word nothing in verse 19, both of these words in the Greek are without limitation and are without qualification. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We are over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. And the Lord finishes with this. He says, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We have a place prepared for us with the Father. We continue through this time, through this life. We fight the good fight. We finish our course and we keep the faith. We have great reward at the end of it. And we go there knowing we've established a place for our children and for our grandchildren to follow in our footsteps. Lord bless you much. Lord keep you in the way of truth and righteousness. And Lord establish every righteous work that you put your hand to. And Lord bless everything that your people work upon the face of the earth in your name and give them the victory in all things. Thank you, Lord. Lord bless you much. I love you. Bye for now. There you go, our wonderful friend, Corey. This is Get Your Love on Radio. Powerful prayers there, powerful prayers. And we get to believe every single one of them because God is only righteous. If you'd like to know more about speaking in tongues, um, Brother Bob and our friend Corey, he, they both outlined the importance of it. It is critical, and it's a wonderful gift from God Almighty. So if you'd like to know more, all you need to do is go to getyourloveon.org. We have really good, really thorough Bible studies. You can also reach out to us. Just click the contact tab. Uh, if you have any questions, if you'd like to get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and become part of that unified body of Christ. Well, sure, we're gonna, we are gonna do everything we can to help you. So again, just reach out. There's a contact tab at getyourloveon.org. We get to walk in the Holy Spirit and see all these promises of God come to pass. Every day we stand for righteousness, every day we walk in the Holy Spirit, we're doing the work of the Lord. And we know, according to Psalm 72, 18. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. That becomes our life. Thank you so much for being here. Love you so much. It's been a privilege to be with you these two hours. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a wonderful week. Of course, we'll be back next week with another incredible show. And in the meantime, Lord bless you. Since we spent the last two hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. We'll be back next week. Lord bless your week. If I were you, and I'm a simple singer, but my heart and mind are strong. I keep my love on, yes I do. You must dream in color as.
questions Cause life does not give honorable mentions Thinking more than two dimensions In case your tightrope loses tension <laughs>